Welcome to the Gowrie New South Wales podcast show, where we explore and discuss relevant issues in the early childhood sector. For more information, visit www.gowrynsw.com.au. Welcome everyone, I'm your host Antonia Mayolo and today I'm talking to Elizabeth Riley, a Sydney-based counsellor, academic and clinical supervisor about gender identity in young children. Welcome Elizabeth. Thanks Antonia. Gender identity in young children has become such a hot button issue in the media of late with reports of preschool age children identifying as transgender. To begin with, Elizabeth, would you be able to discuss how gender is perceived and what it means for a young person to identify as transgender? Sure. Look, as you noted, younger and younger children are being recognised as having differences in gender identity and or expression by their parents. Some children have spoken very clearly about their identity and how they wish to be referred to or the name they want to be called. But others, some very young children, are actually fairly oblivious to the issue at all. The parents have observed the child and have realised that the child expresses themselves as a gender different to the expectations in play, gestures, language, dress or other behaviours. But there are, of course, those children who demand to be referred to and treated as they identify. Some parents accept these differences and allow their child to be themselves, while others are not comfortable and discourage or punish the child. I think a key point here is that the child is doing what is natural to them. Problems come when children are punished and they then learn to become secretive and ashamed of their feelings. Should we be having a conversation about gender identity with young children? And if so, how should adults be framing the topic of gender identity? Look, there are a couple of books that schools with gender variant children have been very willing to get to their libraries. For the kindergarten children, there's Jacob's New Dress and Red, a crayon story. For the older children, there is when Kayla was Kyle and when Kathy is Keith. And, and then there are others, I am Jazz and FTM the boy within for teens. There is really no need to frame it. It is simply what it is. This person has felt like a, you know, male, female, boy, girl, or boy and girl for a long time and needs to be seen and treated that way. So we're going to be calling them, she, he, and their name is, you know, whatever it is. So the truth is that children are very, very accepting and it is important that the situation is normalised and not sensationalised because really it's just another way of being human and the sooner it becomes unremarkable, the better. If adults around the children are able to embrace difference, children will too. Additionally, people with differences in gender and or expression more often than not are very talented and have much to offer and as soon as it can be part of our normal societal input and structure then I think it's going to be much more normalised in everyone's day-to-day life. The truth is that if prenatal classes in hospitals just gave parents the idea that children are born sometimes with differences, intersex conditions, gender identity differences, just to plant the seed so that when something different does occur, they're not totally shocked and surprised by it. 
So from the perspective of early childhood educators and teachers working in, I guess, primary schools, what basic steps should they be taking to show sensitivity towards those children who are known to them by their parents as transgender? Firstly, it is beneficial if the school arranges gender-diverse training for all the staff. Um, The truth is that all schools have gender-variant children, whether they know it or not. The parents may not have recognised it or been okay with it. The children themselves may not be aware of it. But statistics tell us that at least 1% of children are gender-variant. There need to be staff agreements and good communication with the families to make sure they meet the needs of the child. I recommend that there be a designated person in the school where any person, parents, students, asking questions are directed to because it's not fair for teachers, the children, the parents or other staff to be expected to know how to respond appropriately or to be experts in the area. That way, any information given is consistent and the person so designated can do the research if they need to. Schools are slowly learning to change their language rather than all the girls go to the left and all the boys go to the right. Say the children doing sport go to the left and the children doing reading go to the right. It is important to stop gendering games, colours, activities. It needs to be that toys are just toys, colours are just colours, etc. I mean, in addition to that, you know, with the number of schools where I've been training over the last few years, some principals will call me a couple of years later and say, I can now recognise that we've got a child in kindergarten. Now, the parents haven't spoken to me about this, but, you know, they now have the awareness that they can recognise these issues for children, which means that they can make sure that the child's needs are met. What difference can it make to a child who is transgender when they feel like they have support from their educators? Look, it makes all the difference in the world for a child to feel safe and accepted at school. Some children with differences in gender expression or identity are not able to engage or even function properly unless they can be themselves. It is up to the adults in schools and families and in communities to enable children to thrive and be provided with the same opportunities and rights as all children are entitled to. Anything less amounts to discrimination, marginalisation, and and it really is abusive. Where can listeners go to find out more information on this topic, Elizabeth? Look, for parents, there are a number of books. The Conscious Parents' Guide to Gender Identity by Darlene Tando. There's also... Helping Your Transgender Team by Urban Krager and The Gender Creative Child by Diane Ironsaft. There's another book here, Supporting Transgender and Gender Creative Youth by Elizabeth Meyer and Annie Sansfassen. Now, for professional help, there's the Australian and New Zealand Professional Association for Transgender Health. They have a list of providers for each state. Websites, the Gender Identity Research and Education Society have wonderful resources on their website, including some e-learning tools. And there are also state-based service providers for children, usually in children's hospitals. They either have a clinic or a referral list for specialists who work in the area. Elizabeth, thank you so much for talking to us today. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's a pleasure, Antonia. 
Thank you for listening to the latest Gary New South Wales podcast. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Gowrie NSW.